Hello and welcome back to the Talking Wolves podcast. Yes, we're back already. You may uh, you may hate hate to see, it, but we are back already, and it's a little bit of a special this week. Um, we're going to be looking at a, a bit of a recruitment plan for the upcoming season. That'll be addressing the current squad and potential targets. And I'm delighted to say that we're joined by Dan Butler. Dan, how's it how's it going, mate? I'm good, mate. I appreciate you guys having me on. No, and I just want to tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what you've done and this unbelievable recruitment plan that you put out. Uh, I think last week I, I, I had a read of it straight away, and I thought it was I thought it was excellent. But it's probably best from the horse's mouth itself. Uh, yeah, I suppose it took inspiration from a lot of guys on Twitter who have been doing the same um, from summers gone by. There's a, there's a lad particularly who's done a, a forest one. I, I had a look through last summer. And I thought that looks a decent piece of work, and. Um, I just needed something to like a, a centerpiece for a portfolio, if you like. Um, I want to move into a, into a career of either performance analysis, or data analysis, or scouting in that sort of area. I thought, right, let me crack on with this and see how we go. Um, so it's about a month and a half of getting home from work every day, getting bang on it five, six hours, going to bed, work the next morning, doing it the same over again um, until you sort of see the finished products in front of you. Yeah. And how I mean, I find I find it incredibly interesting, or, or the stats and stuff. I'm a little bit of a geek with it. And sometimes it's it's hard to try and interpret the data. But with, with these particular players, Dan, how have like you may come on to this? How do you identify them? Are you watching games? I know I know FB Ref is is quite a quite a source for a lot of people. Yeah, so so FB Ref, like you say, is really good. Um, but that's only got data for the top five leagues, so yeah. you are slightly limited in terms of when you're doing a document like this the kind of players you can actually have a look at, um, especially when you consider one of those leagues, the Prem, and you're going to be charged a King's ransom for any player that you try and sign from the, from the Premier League as, as, as we're in the same same position as a lot of the teams. Um, this Y-Scout that I use, that gives you a lot more of the data that's sort of from the leagues, sort of like Belgian League and things like that, from the Eredivisie. Um, yeah, I think those have been the sort of main things that I've fallen back on to, to get to where I've got to, really. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, I can't wait to get into it. And of course, we're not alone. We are joined by Dave as a party himself. Dave, how how have you been, mate? Have you, uh, are you enjoying a little bit of a break? I know you've been you've been smashing out the transfer videos, and I know we're very excited about going to Benidorm to uh to to, to work. Yeah, for the preseason tour. Yeah, looking forward to. It. Yeah, I'm keeping well. Obviously, trying to keep on top of the rumours. Uh, I'm staying calm at the moment, but obviously, a lot of Wolves fans are getting a little bit frustrated already. So I'm, I'm hoping sooner rather than later. We start seeing some transfer moves happen and maybe one or two of the players that we discussed today maybe uh, through the door at Molyneux this summer. Well, perhaps Dan can put us at ease a little bit. I know that if, if you follow Dan Dan on Twitter, and I do, he's uh, he's very sensible in his in, in his tweets and his approach. Um, I always I always think with, with, with especially transfer rumours or people going mad or supporting the club, that the, the truth usually lies somewhere in the middle. And I feel like, Dan, you are... You are quite measured um, with, with, with your tweets, but I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll come on to those players as well. But I think a good place to start, Dan, is Wolves' current squad and 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 its current depth. Um, I mean, what positions have, have you identified that the club really need to address in the upcoming window? Um, I mean, I think it's all based on the the idea that we're going to move to a back four next season, right? Because I think if if we if we stick with a back three, then perhaps there's less less pressing issues in certain positions. But if we are going to move to a back four, like it's been rumoured now, and I think Tim Spears before he left came out and said that's what Bruno was looking at for next season. There's a lot of holes in that squad that need addressing. Um, I think right centre-back was was one of the biggest ones. Um, Cody's effectively the only, well, I'll say the only option, Volley's there as well, but Cody's probably ahead of him in the pecking order. And we know he's not really got the sort of attributes, physical physical and sort of defensive wise that you need to play that role in a back four. Um, I think if taken into, into account that we're probably going to lose Neves. I still think we're probably going to lose Neves. Um, I think that means we're going to need a DM in there to cover a lot of the defensive work that, that Neves usually gets through. Um, next to him, you probably want a new central midfielder. I love Moutinho, but obviously his legs aren't going to last 38 games. And you'd ideally like someone who could progress the ball a little bit more, carry it forward and get involved in attacks. And then last one was was one that paid me to do it because I love Raul, but it's mm. got to be a centre forward because as much as I want him to bounce back to his best, I think you look at his age and you think he's probably getting to that point now where you're going to see a lot of 
lot of drop-offs in st statistical areas. Um, so yeah, those are the main four. I'd say right-sided centre back, defensive midfielder, central midfielder that's a bit more progressive, and then you've got your centre forward as well. And, and looking at the current squad that we've got at the minute, and I know that the likes of Marcel's gone, Sace has gone, has, a few of us have gone, and, and Ruddy, massive characters in that dressing room. How um, how well do you think that this current squad would adapt to moving to a back four with the players that we've currently got? Um, are we are we talking if if never stays? Yeah, if if it stays, if we if the window shuts today, how does this? And I hope it doesn't. But how is this current squad gonna gonna cope? We go into a back four. I think you see a lot more of Bolly at centre back, and you see Cody take a, a back seat, right? And it becomes more of a dressing room sort of feature rather than actually being on the pitch quite a lot. Um, you probably see the best of Smedo, who's not as attacking as a, as a sort of as a wing back, but as a full back, he's he's competent and he's strong defensively. Um, I'd be massively worried about who Neves would partner in midfield because I'm not sold on Dendonka in that position. And again, Moutinho can't do it. Um, up front, look, I think you give Fabio more game time, um, but that is a difficult position to put him in. A lot of pressure on him there. Um, and it only takes an injury to one of them to put us in a pretty precarious spot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, do you think that who whoever's brought in will say if they don't address a centre half position or, or at least another striker, do you think that'll have a massive bearing on what what kind of shape and formation that Bruno goes with next season? Yeah, I think so. I think you've either got fully commit to one or, or fully commit to the other, right? So if you are going to go to the four, then you have to address the multiple holes that are in the squad. If you aren't going to do that, then you, you, you're asking for trouble, basically. Absolutely. And let's move on to the players that you've, you've identified first then, Dan. Uh, and we're going to start with the, the, the centre-back area. Um, the first player you've identified is Anel Ahmed Hozic. I think that's how you pronounce his name, isn't it? That sounds good Close to me, one. yeah. <laughs> Something like that. I'm, I'm, I'm all right with Portuguese names. Any other names I, I struggle with. So, he's 15 games in Liga, Liga 1 last season. He's still only 22. And, of course, playing at Bordeaux, they've just been relegated to the third tier of French football by the French football financial watchdog. Big lad, progressive with both passing and dribbling. Is this the kind of player that Wolves need, Dan? Yeah, I think um, I think Dave might be familiar with him because he's a bit. I think he's a bit of an FM legend. Yeah, he has um, been for a few years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so his, his situation's a bit weird because he was on loan at Bordeaux this season. Um, there was support, there was talk of an obligation to pick him up for four and a half mil this summer. Um, but obviously, as you say, they've been relegated to the, to the third tier now. There's there's no way they're going to be able to pick up that option. They're not going to have the finances to do it. So you come into this position now. We've got. A centre-back who's probably going to become one of the, the leading centre-backs in Europe over the next probably three to four years. Um, and it's whether you're willing to take the risk on him. Um, as you rightly say, sort of, he can progress the ball pass and he can dribble it. His line-breaking passing is unbelievable. He can find a forward so comfortably. Um, and he's imposing as well. He's, he wins his jewels in the air. Um, he's one of them where if you're willing to take the risk, you might well see it, that asset become three to four times what you paid within a couple of years. Um, and as an added bonus, he counts as a homegrown player as well because Forrest picked him up for half a mil in, when he was 16 really? or something. So, yeah, there's just a little bit of an extra bonus there as well if you to pick him up. You'd hope that, you know, that the recruitment team are looking at that and considering stuff like that because I, I, I didn't know. I didn't know that he was um, considered homegrown or Forrest picked him up. Whenever, whenever I look at stats, Dan, you might be able to shed a bit of light on this, especially centre-halves. I normally see big burly centre halves like six foot four, six foot five, but aerial duels one per ninety are, are very a very low. Is there a particular reason for that? Do you reckon that's playing style or it depends really, doesn't it? I mean, look, I'm not an expert, first and yeah. foremost, right? So so take it with a pinch of salt, what I'm gonna say. Um it's always been said though that analysing centre backs in particular with data is a dangerous game to play. You can't always measure how decent of a centre back someone's going to be or someone is just through looking at the numbers. Um, I think there was something doing the rounds on Twitter earlier. I think it was I want to say about March April time that Grant Hanley had won more headers than Harry Maguire this season, and that meant that Hanley was like a, it, was, it was just trying to take the mick out of Maguire, right? But the, yeah. the reason for that was because obviously Grant Hanley's playing for Norwich, he's having to do a lot more heading the ball and, and playing a lot more defensive side than the Maguire is. So the numbers get skewed quite easily when you talk about centre backs like that. Um, 
that's why I wanted to go with this. You talk about aerial duels one per 90. It all depends how many you, you sort of compete in, right? So you, yeah. you're probably better off going with aerial duel win percentage because you're getting a better idea of when they do go up, how often they win in that ball. And that, that's why I went with it. It's not perfect. It's, it's never going to be an exact science, but it's, it's as close as I can get to, to analysing that play with numbers. And and if we are to move to a back four, what kind of qualities do you think that uh, the club should be looking at in terms of in terms of these defenders? Because I know at the minute it probably Kilman and Bolly are, are best suited. Big lads can cover cover large spaces quite quickly. Is that what you'd be looking for? Yeah, I think so. I think they've got to have a, a decent foot speed, um, and if not, then their position's got to be such that. Um, they're rarely caught in those positions where they're needing to catch up with a striker or, or run alongside one. Um, I like the idea of having a centre-back who's progressive as well. And I think that's why Ahmed Hodzic is such a good option because, you know, Kilman's fantastic at carrying the ball through the thirds, right? We've seen him do it all season. I'd like to have that option next to him that's, that's able to pick a pass. And I, I think um, if you add someone like him, you, you massively see the benefits of that sort of balance between the two. I think I think one of the good things about him now is that obviously he's had sort of half a season or whatever in a top European league to show what he can do. If if Wolves were, were linked with him now and he's still playing at Malmo, I think people would obviously have their doubts. But the fact that he's been able to play for six months in a top league and and still put out those sort of numbers is is encouraging. And like you say, it should be it should be available for a really affordable fee. There's a lot of, a lot of pluses with for this move. I think. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think the fees are not, as you say, the fees are another massive thing. I mean, I don't see that Malmo are in a position to charge more than I put ten mil there. That's an estimate, right? But I, I can't see them costing more than that. No. And Dan, you, you mentioned there about you. I mean, first and foremost, we'd like a defender who wins his duels, can cover those large spaces. But you also want a defender who's also progressive in his passing. Dave, I think last season Sace was among the best in the league. For, yeah, for, 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 for the number passes. of passes, yeah. yeah. Is there anyone do you, out of uh, Bolly and Kil, Kilman who you think could 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 do that do that job too? I know I know that Bolly has done it previously um, in previous seasons, but for me, he looks like he's fell off somewhat. I don't think to the sort of extent that Sace could. I think the reason Sace was able to do that job was because he was primarily he was a, he was a DM when we brought him in, wasn't he? So he had that passing ability. And it just so happened that we were able to move him back into the centre-back position. He became quite a, quite a threat from deep positions where he'd be able to start attacks and, and build up from there. Um, I think if you ask Kilman to try and do that job, you're not playing him to his best qualities. You know, you want him to keep carrying the ball and committing men and, and beating them that way. Um, you're right, Bolly previously could do that. I'm not 100% sure he could do that for... 38 times a season right i mean i think he's a good rotation center back to have in the in the squad if we do move to a four but I, i'm not sure you could depend on him over the long term dave what do you think about toti gomez in that role as well i know that i'm not particularly sold on him i think he's a a good stop gap a good almost like volley a rotation center half but can you can you see him playing that role progressively bringing the ball out from the back i'm not sure i think i'm a little bit like you where i've probably not seen enough of him um for me to completely judge he was part of the team or came into the squad where we were already on a pretty decent run of form um and i think you know we've seen him a handful of times there's a lot of fans sort of hoping that he's going to be the answer to or to, to say leaving the club i think it's pretty obvious the whole of the back three at the moment um are easily upgradable if we wanted to take the next step i'm not saying that we are going to go out and sign three world-class or three top quality center halves it's not going to happen but I think with Gomez, like like you said, think a, bit, a little bit like Bolly, good player to have in and around the squad. But again, he's probably not someone that'd be a hundred percent comfortable with for thirty eight games in a season. Hmm. And I think the, the the profile of centre half we've got now, you've got one side who are extremely comfortable on the ball, like Cody and, and Sace, who can who can bring the ball out. And then you've got the other side who are, who are defensively sound, win the duels, like like Toti Gomez. You haven't really got that blend, have you? You haven't really got that blender who can do both, and I know that's that that's going to come at a price. But someone who who seems to have that blend is, is Dan's second target, which is Dushaleta Sar at Marseille. Dave, we were previously linked with him, weren't we? I think it was the summer last last year. Yeah, start start of last season, it was uh, Botman, Saleta Sar, and uh, Bubakar Kamara, who's obviously gone yeah. to Villa now. So the French league was certainly an area that Wolves were looking at, and. Um, I think with Saleta Sar at the time, it was due to family, I think, uh, moving at a strange time. 
Yeah, yeah. So I think Marseille, well, many clubs in France have had that 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 issue. There were a lot of players, you know, they needed to sell, um, but it was so late in the window. Um, I think if it was something that we looked at maybe at the start of last summer, it could have come to fruition. But obviously, Dan will talk about it a little bit more. Very still a very good defender. Yeah. So Dan shed a bit of light on, on Saletasaris, like Dave said, he was part of the the Botman and uh, Kamara window where we were linked with. I mean. It's encouraging that we're linked with these players because, you know, Kamara's gone on to the Villa who looks a, looks a cracking player. Botman's got clubs run get, jumping over walls for him. Is, realistically, can, can you see it happening? And what are his best qualities? Um, realistically, can I see it happening? Um, I think there's reason to believe that, that it could happen. Um, I think French clubs are in that unfortunate position where they're always looking for the finances wherever they can right i mean since yeah. the tv deal fell through a couple of years ago a lot of the biggest clubs they've been scratching around for money where they can where they can get it really um on the pitch i think you're, you're looking at sort of a more um a more experienced version of what you what you'd be getting from ahmed hodzic right so he represents the slightly more risky version of what you want in the center back because he's he's 20 and you, you're not 100 percent sure how he's going to develop i mean i'm Bullish on him, I think he's going to be really good. But what you're getting in Sletasar is that established centre back, right? He's played at a higher level. I believe he's represented his country multiple times. So you're getting someone dependable there who you know can come in and hit the ground running and won't take a lot of adapting to the league. He's played at the top level for a long time now. Um, and if if Bruno wanted to go slightly more conservative and say, right, we're moving to a back four, we're doing it in a strong league. We need to have someone there who's dependable. Then that's probably one of the better options there. Yeah, and just just looking at his, his percentiles here, which will will be on screen now. If, if you are if you are watching on YouTube, possession adjusted interceptions, which seems really low. Would you can you shed some light on, on what that what that actually means? Because compared to his other percentiles, it, it it's quite considerably lower. Yeah, see, this is another sort of thing leading into the discussion about why you can't always. Um, sort of judge centre-backs on, on on their data. Yeah. Um, the reason that number's low is just because he, he, he doesn't try and make those interceptions, yeah. right? He's a different style of defender to a, a Kilman or even an Ahmed Hodzic, right? So there's these two profiles of, of centre-backs that people always talk about is a, is a cat and a dog. So your dogs are more likely to chase into the middle third and try and win the ball, right? Yeah. Whereas a cat, like, like a Cody, who wants to sit off his man a little bit and let his man turn, and then he can engage him after that. Um, the possession adjust is just to try and make up for that sort of fall off, if you like, to, to yeah. sort of try and even the playing field a little bit between those sides that are more likely to be um, engaging in defensive actions versus those that aren't. Um, and <clears throat> making something possession adjusted just means that you're, you're trying to even that playing field rather than having it weighted towards a, a player who's going to be engaging in these things more often and therefore will have a higher number. Yeah, and and looking at accurate passes and forward passes, there, they're they're a lot higher than average centre halves from 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 the selected group. Dave, would it would Sletisar be someone that you'd be you'd be happy with Wolves bringing in? I know they desperately need another centre half, but someone of this mould. Yeah, I think so, and I think we we saw uh, you know last season the way Wolves were at least trying to play the ball out of the back for many games. You know, Bruno Large obviously wants his defenders to be able to play with the ball a lot more. Um, we started a lot of attacks and tried to play ourselves out of trouble from the back. Um, so it's encouraging when a player is good with a, with a ball like Saleta Sari is good amount of accurate passes and forward passes. But at the same time, Matt, like you were saying, you know, still got the aerial duels, um, still got you know the the defensive duel wins. It's almost like he's the best of both worlds. So judging by these numbers, I know Dan said it's you know take these with a pinch of salt uh, sometimes with defenders, but it, it definitely bodes well with him. Absolutely. Well, there's there's two two centre halves that Wolves definitely should be looking at. Um, it, and of course, you can download Dan's recruitment plan. There's, there's a few. I think there's six centre halves. Uh, I know Maxim Lacroix in there and uh, Milenkovic, who Wolves were, were linked with previously at, at Fiorentina. So the next position we're going to be looking at is the defensive midfielder position. Um, Dan, why why should Wolves be looking into strengthening this position? Um, I, I'm not actually convinced we've got one in the squad at the minute. I think that's part of the biggest problem is that I don't think Dendonka can do that role. Um, I'm not sure Moutinho's got the legs for that anymore. Um, he's certainly not. He's lacking the stature, with, with all due respect to him. We love what he is. But um, and then it comes to Neves. When you put him in that sort of position to do the defensive work, as we saw in Nuno's last season, 
you lose a lot of what he's good about his game, right? His ability to operate in areas further up the pitch, his passing. He's going to be a lot more knackered by 78 minutes if he's having to get through a lot of defensive work. Um, so that sort of led me to think, right, well, if we can get someone in who's a, a defensive-minded midfielder who sort of securely passes the ball around, breaks up attacks, intercepts the ball, you leave your midfield partner next to him with a lot more opportunity to affect the game higher up the pitch. Yeah, and uh, looking at the, the players you've identified here, and we're going to start with the first one, is Santi Kamasana. I've not seen a lot of him play. He's currently playing for Vallecano in, in La Liga, 25-year-old central midfielder. Dan, what, what, why Santi Kamasana? What, what qualities has he got? How could he improve Wolves? Do you know, it was even I haven't seen much of him play prior to actually running the numbers, right? So the, the process was sort of run the numbers and see which names crop up. And then from there, once you've got the, the basis of the data to go off of, go away and watch them. Um, and he's just, he's really strong in the challenge. He gets through a lot of defensive work, which is what we're looking for from the, from the DM. Then he's also able to get the ball forward and, and quite securely as well. So he's almost the best of both worlds, where he's, he's, <clears throat> he's able to do that defensive side of the game. When he gets on the ball, he's, he's not one-dimensional in terms of he has to give it to someone more creative. He is able to pick a pass that might be line-breaking or might find an, an advanced player or something like that. Um, I think he offers quite a, quite a good balanced option there. Yeah. And, and do, you, do you think, and I, and I know it's probably going to get hounded for say, but do you think someone like Joao Pena could, could, could do this role well for Wolves? Oh, I didn't include him, right? I, I, yeah. So I didn't include him in the in the. Well, I don't think Wolves have either, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so I didn't recruit. I didn't in, include him in the recruitment plan because his, his passing numbers just weren't stand. They just didn't stand out enough for me. Um, I, he could absolutely do that role. Um, I'm not convinced he would do it for to a better standard than someone like a Commissario would, and he'd probably cost four times what what this guy would. So. You know, you have to take all those things into account when you're comparing them. And I think someone like Comissanio comes up quite well when you do that. Yeah, and I know uh, when it came out, it was going to Fulham. I remember you tweeted, Dan, that you you weren't too fussed about him going elsewhere. You weren't you weren't convinced. Dave, how, how do you feel about it? How, how do you feel about the fact that he's going to Fulham? I think circa £45,000, £50,000 a week. It's not a lot of money. Is it? Is it going to be the one that got away? I, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. I think um, he might have one or two good games for Fulham, and obviously fans are always going to be upset about that. But for me, bodes the fact that we haven't gone for him. Uh, for me, probably means that we're keeping Neves or looking to keep Neves, or at least hopeful of that. Um, but yeah, I think the Wolves are obviously looking at other targets. Mateus Nunez being being one of them. I would have been very surprised to see us spend sort of sixty, seventy mil, million pounds on those two. Um, without selling Neves, but fingers crossed we can see Nunes and Neves together. Uh, but yeah, Palinja, I'm not so sure. I still think we need a defensive midfielder, and somebody like this could work. Mm, I, I'm I'm not sure. And big believer of judge a transfer window when it when it slams shut, which of course it does slam shut. Um, Dan, do you, do you think that someone like Comerson could be could be almost attracted to come and play for Wolves? Do you think there's we're we're a, enough of an attractive proposition no european football mid-table last season the thing is i think you have to look first of all at the wages are going to be considerably better that we can offer versus what vayacano can offer right so that's that's one thing um but the other thing is that they finished mid-table in la liga last season right so we're not trying to pull a player like a like a nunes for example who could play champions league football we're, we're trying to get a player from a mid-table mid la liga club it's not a stretch to say that he could be enticing to come into play in England for that for that reason. Um, I don't think it's a step down or anything like that. I think if anything, it's a, it's a step up. Um, we all know the, the amount of eyes the Premier League has on it, and I think that's, a, that's something that players are aware of now. Absolutely, and and just looking at his, his percentile rank on screen now, he's very very he's very much above the average, isn't he? Do you think he could be if if, if he was brought in by Wolves theoretically? Uh, Quite a versatile player could play a number of different roles in that midfield. Yeah, hundred percent. I think if you look at it, you, <clears throat> sorry, you can you can see a player who you'd be wasting if you were only expecting him to sort of intercept the ball, make tackles, and pass it on to someone else. If you want him to do that role, he'd probably do it, right? But you're probably not making the most out of him. So yeah, you could see if 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 maybe wanted to switch to a, a flat two in midfield rather than one sitting and one slightly further forward, that he'd be able to do that role as well. 
Um, I think that sort of flexibility is, is going to be massive for us next season because even if we are going to move to a, a, a back four, it's not going to be a seamless transition. There are going to be games where we have to adapt and, and probably go back to a three at times as well. And having this sort of player who's able to, to play in both systems or at least in a couple of different positions is uh, is pretty important. Yeah, and, and you've called out in your, in your recruitment plan his, his mobility. Dave, do you think that that having a player with real dynamism and mobility is exactly what Wolves need in the midfield? Yeah, 100%. Whether that be, you know, I think we're screaming out for somebody that can get the ball and, and drive it forward. But other than that, we need a player that does have that sort of energy defensively in the team as well. Like Dan said earlier, I think we know Nevers can do the job, but he's almost a little bit wasted there. We've seen this season when he's actually been allowed the freedom to drive forward with the ball himself or just play slightly first. He's contributed, um, he's contributed a lot more. So I think we, we definitely need that, need that more energetic option uh, in the middle. And I think that gives us a little bit more flexibility tactically as well. You know, we've sp spoken about a back four. I think you, if you add someone like Comasana in there, you could play a 4-3-3, 4-5-1, you know, sit him in that defensive midfielder role with two, you know, slightly more advanced uh, central midfielders. It gives you a lot of scope to to do more tactically really and, and i know that you've got the, the transfer fee there dan as, as as five million pound i know it's, it's a ballpark figure but i think it shows looking at, at the stats that there are players out there who could make the difference who aren't going to cost the earth yeah i think that's what these sort of smarter clubs around around the world are, are doing a really good job of is finding undervalued talent out there right and i think this is why i'm sort of a I'm keen for us to move away from Mendes, and I'm sure we'll get into that at some point yeah. when we look at the other targets. But it's why I'm keen to sort of move away from Mendes at some point in the near future, because I think there is talent out there that is is massively undervalued, and, and you can get it for a much cheaper price than you would otherwise have to going through an agent like Jorge Mendes. Um, it's, it's available, it's out there. You just have to be willing to sort of go out and, and, and do the, the groundwork to go and identify them properly, you know? Yeah, and, and and the second player that you've you've identified for this role, uh, and again, if 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 people want to download the plan, that it's a fantastic plan. There's there's a whole host of other midfielders that Dan's assessed, but the next one is, is Vinicius Souza. Um, again, I'm not too familiar with him, but plays in the Belgian league, uh, a natural number six, and if you look at his percentiles, his defensive stats are pretty freakish. But Dan, can can he make the step up? It's a big jump from the Belgian league. It is a big jump. Um, and as I was saying earlier on about the sort of difference between Sertasar and, and Ahmed Hodzic is when you buy a player like this, you are taking a certain risk, right? That they're going to be able to transfer a lot of these skills across to the Premier League from, from the Belgian League. Um, I'm confident that he would be able to, because I think if you look at if you look at a lot of his attributes, he's, he's, he's got a big frame, he's rangy, he's tall. Um, He's, he's, he's physical in his, in, his, in his duels and he wins a lot of them. These aren't necessarily things that aren't, are going to drop off a cliff when he moves it to a different league, right? He's always going to have that physicality as about his game. He's always going to have long limbs to try and get in, in, in areas and, and nick interceptions away. He's always going to be able to lurk in the right areas to try and win the ball. It's about sort of assessing what those transferable skills are. And I, I think he's got a good amount of them. Yeah, and you say he's got a big frame and, and whatnot as a big lad. Dave, it seems that Bruno wants those kind of players in his squad, doesn't it? I, I remember he, he made a comment about fans wanting to take certain players off, but fans not understanding <laughs> that. And I think it was aimed at you after you tweet about him at Villa Park. Probably, yeah. <laughs> when's, he, when's his clown going to change it and then uh, end up winning 3-2? But he wants those bigger players because, you know, they're, they're, they're good at defending, defending set pieces and stuff. So do you think that's... Another plus point with bringing in someone like this. Yeah, defending and, and obviously attacking as well. Um, yeah, I, I think so for sure. And that's what Wolves have lacked. And you talk about, you know, people talk about the likes of Alfred and Dio. I don't think we've had a sort of defensive midfielder or solid midfielder like that since then. I'm not saying sign and die, but, you know, someone of that sort of ilk, really. But um, it's similar to, and I, I don't know what his numbers like are, are like, Dan, if you've looked into him. Al Masrati from Braga, I think he's a similar sort of thing, a big guy. Uh, obviously, defense, you know, defensively, I, I can't say I've, I've watched too much of him, but looks okay defensively. Um, I think he adds so much to the game, just a physical presence is huge for any team, really. Like even, even the likes, I know Watford weren't great this season. But sometimes when you just look at their team and you've got the two huge midfielders there, you're like flipping heck. 
I know they got absolutely decimated this year, but there are at times there are a couple of teams where Wolves have struggled against teams like that with a really physical midfield, and that's what we've lacked really. It's funny you say about Maserati as well. Like I was looking at I was looking at his stats a couple of days ago, and we linked with him in like. Aerial jewels one per ninety. He's like ninety. He must play on a fucking step ladder because like <laughs> he's like honestly, God, he's he, he's an absolute monster. Dan, do we do we need just a bit more grit through the side? Because I think we're a bit soft personally. We are a bit, yeah. I mean, look, I, I'm not his greatest fan, but I appreciate what he brings to the squad. But when I see Den Donker go in for a 50-50, I, I cringe. The guy pulls out so many tackles, and he, he just you know he's not going 100%. And 99% of the time, as a result, he'll either lose it or he'll hurt himself. It's something, yeah. like you say, we've not had a proper midfield enforcer in there since and die, probably. Um, and it's if we are going to move to this this back four that I'm sort of proposing in the, in the plan, and I think a lot of us are expecting to happen, we're going to need that in there. We, we can't have a soft core in there. Um, I think for too long we've, we've had a, we've had players like that, um, and sadly I've put Cody in the same bracket as centre back. There needs to be more physicality in that in that squad, um, and and Suze is a good example of someone who can who can do that role absolutely. Yeah, I mean we haven't got many shit houses. I know that's you know statistically that's not that's not a thing, but there just, there just isn't is there like there, there isn't that I don't know. I, mean, I don't I don't think Cody's a particular. I don't think he's a captain. Personally, I think he's an organizer, but I don't think he's a leader. He's not. He's not going to drag you back into a game if you, if you're losing two nil. Um, but it, it, it's definitely a difficult one on the Cody call, though. It's if if you do pull Cody out that out that star on eleven, is that going to upset the rest of the squad? You don't know what impact that's going to have on. You'd like to think the professionals and get on with it, but Dan, that's not always the case, is it, with footballers? No, it isn't. And he's obviously been a mainstay of the side since Nuno came in in the first year. Um, I, I think, look, you, we do put him out the side if we go to a four, but I don't think you can even consider or like, contemplate getting rid of him out of the squad. I think he's so important for the team chemistry. And, and you've seen what he's like. He's, he's talking all the time. You can imagine he's probably going to make an unreal manager at some point when he retires. Um, but you could imagine him being a, a key dressing room presence if we were to, you know, I don't know, for example, chart, like, making a European charge, for example, late in the season where we need to get wins. You can imagine that he's the kind of guy you want around the dressing room, getting them, getting them sort of up for the games. I think for that reason, you'll probably see him in the England squad for the World Cup because I think they lack that sort of character in there as well. And Cody will do that job unbelievably. Yeah, and I know Declan Royce called out, and I think it was when he started getting called up to the England squad. Like, obviously, he's he's a fantastic player, but he's like being, and he called out Cody like being around Connor Cody. That's what I need to develop. I need to be a better communicator. Um, which you know is he's great for Cody. I know, I know a lot of fans give him a lot of stick for being a shouty man and not very good, but I, I think he, I think he's better than people let on. Um, next targets, Dan, are your centre mid targets. What what kind of profile do Wolves need? What qualities does a new centre mid need to come into this squad? Um, so I think it, with the assumption that you you bring a DM in, I think you can afford to have a, a, a guy next to him who is way more progressive and is a bit more of a risk taker. Um, is comfortable carrying the ball from deep um, and, and probably links up with the attack a lot more than, than the DM will. Yeah, and and, a, and the first player that you've you've highlighted, and I'm so, so glad that you have, because Dave will know that <laughs> I said that this, this player is actually quite a good player, and a lot of people, oh, he plays for Rangers, you shit. He's, he's Joe Aribo. Um, I've, I've got a few mates who are Rangers fans, so I watched them sporadically, and I've always, I've always thought he was fantastic, even, even the way that he just finds space on the ball and the way that he uses his big frame to, to shield the ball away from defenders. Why would why would Joe Aribo be a be a good signing for Wolves done? And would he want to come to Wolves? <sighs> would he want to come is a good question. Um I think so, because look, with all due respect to Rangers, I don't think you see them get into a European final every year, right? So yeah. it, it is gonna Rangers are I think are, we can safely say are a bigger historical club than us, but I think his opportunities coming back down to England playing in the Premier League it would be quite enticing, right? Versus playing, with all due respect, like Hibs and Hearts every other week, right? Um, on the pitch, it's the, it's the way he sort of absorbs pressure and he's able to turn out of it and, and carry the ball forward and, and be an impact or, or have an impact in the attack. Um, it's, it's like you said, it's, it's the frame combined with that that just makes him a really interesting prospect. Um, I think because he's played on the wing, he's got that, that close control of, of, of a winger. 
Um, and that means he's able to turn out and turn away from people. And, and he's got a long stride as well. So when he does go past his man, it's quite explosive. He can get away and create separation from him. Um, he's, he's also left-footed, right? And having that left-footer in the middle of the park is quite an interesting dynamic. We've not had that for a while now. I think since... Sace, I was about to say, since yeah, Sace got moved or, or to Millie centre back, oh, <laughs> you're going to have me reminiscing now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, since since Sace at, at CM in in the Championship, or yeah, I don't think we've had a left footer in there for a while, and I think it adds a different dynamic. It adds a bit of balance when you have got a left footer and a right footer next to each other. Um, I, I don't think the fee would be extortionate. You know, I, I think there are always worries about can players do it coming from Scotland to to, uh, to the Premier League. But you've seen him perform well in, the, in in Europe now, and that's a good basis to be able to say, yeah, he'd probably translate that across to, to the Prem as well. That's the acid test, isn't it, really? If they could do it in the Europa League, then they, they could probably do it in the Prem. Dave, could, could you see Wolves uh, kind of attracting players from, from the likes of Rangers? And we'll put Celtic in that same bracket as well. Because I, I know when the Calvin Bassey rumour came out last week that he was at the training ground, which um, wasn't didn't look like it was actually Calvin Bassey considering he was lining up to play, play Morocco an hour, an hour after he'd posted. So can you see us attracting players like that? Rangers fans don't seem to think so, but that's just a, that's just the case with, with, with every fan. Of any club, yeah, yeah, I think Dan was exactly right. You you would say Celtic and Rangers are bigger clubs than Wolves historically. You know they're they're huge clubs, but I think the chance at playing for the Premier in the Premier League, which is arguably or well, it is the biggest league in the world still right now. You know you can't you can't turn down those options. You've seen it with you know managers as well. Managers of their best clubs have come to teams outside the top six in the Premier League. Um, I think in recent years, at least, players have come from Scotland and done fairly well in England as well. So I think the sort of the, the transition from league to league is is okay right now. I think the the thing with Aribo is that he he's not just talented as a central midfielder. I think did he not play up front in the final? Oh, he's extremely final versatile. Yeah, he could play on the wing. So I think that versatility is is key for Wolves. But he's somebody that's obviously going to get the ball and you know again drive it forward for Wolves, which we've we've uh, sorely lacked this season. It's funny you say that about him playing centre-forward because I, I, when the Europa League final was on, I tweeted something about I'd, I'd really like Harry Burt Wolves and some helmet come back to me and said, oh, he, he's shit, he's only scored two goals for a striker. I'm like, yeah, he might be playing up top because Morelos is out injured, but I think <laughs> that just shows like how, how, how versatile he is. And I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, you may not know, but I think he's only got a year left in his deal too, so I don't think it would be that expensive of a, of a signing I'd, I'd have to double check it if that's the case then yeah you can you can take yeah. even more of that that transfer value because there's no way rangers are being in a position to sort of dictate a massive fee for him at all yeah and, and that just adds another element to why you'd want to sign him it's just it's, it's just another plus you know yeah end it'd of the season it expires yeah. david be classed as homegrown as well wouldn't it uh Started i believe so yeah, charlton yeah he was at charlton up until you know, a couple of years ago. So, yeah, I believe so. Another an, another tick in the, in the homegrown box. Well, before we move on to the, to the next one, and I'm sure it's going to be a, a big talking point, but looking at his percentiles here on, on, on screen, Dan, it, it seems that he's one of those players who will drive from deep and link link with a centre-forward. But instead of what our centre-midfielders do at the minute, stand there and admire the pass, he'll also run off and try and, and, try and create spaces. Yeah, he is, and he, he, he will. It's just that's that standard pass and move idea, isn't it? It's, yeah. the, it's the idea that playing into the centre forward and then being able to either drag your man with you or alternatively become someone else's problem in the in the in the defence. Right, you get moved onto a centre back and you create problems that way as well. Um, I think that makes him a really interesting option that he's he's able to do that job that that job even. Absolutely, and. The, the second player that you have identified is, and I feel like this one is going to, this saga will drag out and drag out until the end of the transfer window and it'll be, well, we tried, I'm sorry, and they'll still flog Neves, is Mateus Nunes at Sporting, someone who I think is, is a wonderful player. Um, but it, it it begs a question and, and, and we'll, we will come on to Mendes. I mean, he's dynamic as can be. He's so quick and an extremely intelligent footballer. But if... If Mendes can't get him and it doesn't seem like the player wants to move to Wolves, then 
what what are the benefits of this Mendes partnership if he can't bring those players in who were previously inaccessible? Yeah, look, you're not going to find a massive Mendes fan in me. Um, <laughs> I think if I, I, I've said it previously, I think if you get the chance to take on a player like Nunes, right, you you just do it, right, regardless of whether you want to move away from the Mendes model in future or not. This is an opportunity that comes around never, basically. This is the equivalent of us signing Neves in the Championship, right? This, this, by rights, he should be playing Champions League football season in, season out. He shouldn't be playing for a, a side that finished mid-table last year in the Prem. Um, I agree. If, 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 if Mendes can't sort of do his normal thing and, and, and get us a deal that we, should, we would never have normally got, then you have to look at the partnership and think what we actually getting out of it anymore. Um, especially now that you saw Pound Union go elsewhere. Um, but yeah, this this is one where if you get the chance, you just do it. You don't even think about it, you just do it. And, and as Dan just allude, alluded there, Dave, it, 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 it may be that Pena doesn't doesn't come in and, and they do opt for Nunes. Do you, do you see that being the, the reason why they haven't gone for someone like Pena? Because they, they're you know that they're confident they can land this deal with a with a with a, a favour from Uncle George. Yeah, like I said earlier, I'm I'm hoping that's the reason why they're sort of putting all their eggs in the the Nunez, Nunez basket, and I'm hoping it it comes to fruition. He's obviously a very talented player, still a little bit younger than Polina, probably somebody that we need a little bit more as well. Really energetic midfielder, and I think someone like him alongside Nevers, if you can keep hold of him. Um, if you change your formation, someone like Gibbs White may be ahead of them as well. I think that's a, a really solid mid, midfield three or, you know, maybe Nunez Neves and a more defensive midfielder. I think you've got a really decent uh, amount of options there as well. But going back to the whole Mendes thing, I, I haven't done the video in the end, but I was going to do a video about what Wolves needed to change for next season. And one of them was going to be basically loosen the ties with George Mendes. I didn't do the video because there were so many big sort of juicy transfer rumours coming up like this one. I thought if this one gets over the line, then, you know, there's a reason for this partnership, but I might come to regret it in the next couple of weeks. But I'm just hoping that the reason this move hasn't become official yet is because he's abroad and he's just sort of waiting until he comes back. Um, but yeah, we'll wait and see. But it'd be a massive signing for Wolves. I would honestly be absolutely over the moon if we signed him. Like, he's such a good player. And But I think it's going to be the case if he does come to Wolves, it's going to be, well promise to move to City in the next couple of years because I know I know Dan that Pep Guardiola when when quizzed about him said he was one of the one of the best players in the world how good do you think Nunes is and how could good do you think he could be um I think you're looking at a player who's going to be one of if not the best ball carrying central midfielder in, in the world at some point he's only 23 now right so you can easily see his trajectory as he moves across leagues and, and plays more Champions League football where you've got one of the best talents in the world in, in your squad. Um, I think, as you say, if you if we make that signing, you, you sort of get back on the Mendes merry go round and you sort of you sort of admit to yourself that, yeah, there's probably a move to City in his near future. Um, but I think for the for the time that you do have him, you, you've got one of the most promising cent central midfielders in the world there um, who will, I mean, as long as he stays injury-free, et cetera, et cetera, he, he'll be a world-beater. You don't, you don't mind that though, do you? With and the players, or oh, if they want to come in and go to a bigger club, then fuck them. Up. No, it's, that's not how football works. Hey, if he does come for 35, 40 million, then he has a couple of good seasons, and then he goes to City for I don't know, like Grealish, 100 million. You don't mind that, do you, Dave? As long as they're getting no, especially, money especially for, for a club of our stature at the moment. If we were a team that was in the top six, top four for the last three years, you know, you don't want that. But you look at, you know, the likes of. Leicester or whoever that that's the model that obviously Wolves I think are trying to look at you know you're going to have that you're going to have players that you're going to bring in and, and sell for hopefully a profit in, in the next few years if Nunes comes in and is as good as we're hoping he's going to be I think Wolves will easily make 20-30 million quid profit and will be by far our record sale if if this comes in but we said the same about Neves when Neves joined us in the championship I think we're all we all said, right, we'll have him for one year, maybe two, and then he'll be gone. And he's you know, four, four or five years later, he's still with us and could be with us for another season. So you never know. But I think with him still at such a young age and such a talented footballer, I think with the, the position that we're in, 
we need we need good players and you don't really mind being a stepping stone uh, you know these players are coming to the premier league and going to be let's face it he wants a big club but at the same time if wolves can give him the platform to perform in the premier league that that's going to be one of the biggest reasons why he joins us it's not not yeah. not going to be because he likes orange chips unfortunately <laughs> mixed grills mate <laughs> i think <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he said himself that he wanted to fight for titles, didn't he? And I don't think he's going to be doing that at Wolves. But Dave mentioned a name there, Dan, which which pricked my ears up a little bit, which, which was bringing him in with Morgan Gibbs White. Could Gibbs White play this role? And and if so, or if not, where where do you see his, his future at Wolves in in a particular role? Because I know he's played across the front three in central midfield at Sheffield United. Yeah, I think he's. Um... It's interesting because what we've got in our hands now is a player who can do this role, right? He can. Um, so he can play in these central areas where he's, he's able to drive at the fences um, and link up with attackers. I think if you remember um, his assist for Jimenez, I think it was Chelsea at home a couple of seasons ago. That was mm. in the central position. He picked up the ball and, and found Jimenez in the in between centre-backs. The, the thing is, though, is that you've, you've seen him to best effects, I think, off the right for Sheffield United as a, almost like a right forward, like an inside forward. Um, where he's able to affect play inside the penalty area. I mean, I, I went through his numbers a, a couple of months ago and his, his touches in the box and, and he's able to have an impact within the penalty areas is sort of unrivaled for his position in the championship. I'm not 100% sure you want to take that opportunity away from him by sort of withdrawing him slightly and playing him in the centre midfielder's role. But I do think it's interesting because if you wanted to switch up to a, to a 4-3-3, right, where you have your, your six who sits, and then you have your, your two other central midfielders in, in front. This is an opportunity to play in that role, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and and the final player before we move on to the centre forwards um, is Andre Almeida, who plays for Vitória Guimarães in Portugal. Um, there was links to him, wasn't there, Dave? I think a few weeks ago. Go on, mate. Sorry, no. Uh, yeah, they were linked to him and uh, one of his uh, the players at Victoria as well, another player. Um, so I think it was looking at maybe like a Jordão Neto type sort of double deal there. And it's all gone quiet. I know the last day or so, teams like Arsenal have been linked with him as well, um, Porto. So I think he's a lot. We'll talk about. He's a, another player that's extremely affordable. I know Dan's put an estimated value of about five million quid, and I don't think it'd be far off that either. So um, five to ten million pounds, but there are a lot of top clubs uh, looking at him, and there's probably a reason why. Well, Porto are going to have to find two central midfielders, aren't they? With Vieira going and, and potentially I think Porto, Vitinha. Porto have tried to do some swap deals with them, which have said no to. So I think Vittoria yeah. just want the cash. Yeah, because when when this first came out, I spoke to um, Proxima Ginordo, you may be familiar with on Twitter. He's a um, Portuguese football expert, um, but in English speaking, he's been on the channel before. Ec excellent analysis, um, and he said he, he's a, he's an extremely good player, and, and he, he'd be he'd be perfect for the Prem. Dan, would you echo those thoughts? One hundred percent. Yeah, um, I think it, it might have been the same guy actually, but I'd seen a, a, a certainly a Portuguese journalist on, on Twitter the other week was saying it's amazing how frequently the big Portuguese clubs pick up these sorts of players from the smaller clubs in, in that league. And then eventually sell them on for four or five times what they what they actually paid for them. I, I, we're always in this position where we look at the Nunes of the world, right? And, and we're looking at having to fork out forty mil. I don't think there's anything wrong with with looking at these options and thinking, right, we can cut out the middleman here by taking a little bit more of a risk in a player who, in a couple of years' time, might well be worth that thirty to forty mil. We might have only paid six, seven, eight mil for them. Um, that's the sort of, I guess, the financial side of it. On the pitch, it's just to me, it's his passing that stands out massively. He's he's obviously comfortable on the ball and he can he can pick it up and carry it. But he's a really really strong passer of the ball. Um, I think that combination of passing and and carrying makes him quite an interesting option. Um, and it means it's flexible as well. You don't have to sort of pigeonhole him into one sort of role in the squad. He can he can do multiple. Um, and and yeah, I think if you don't go for Nunes. It, Almeida is the kind of option that you start to look at, right? Because he's, he can replicate some of those numbers, not to the same level, obviously, and he's he's not as proven. But there's certainly reason to believe he could get to a decent level. And, and I don't think he'd look out of place at us in the slightest. I don't think we're in a position to buy ready-made. Not not to the level of Nunes without the help of of, of George Mendes. Um, not 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 for those fees, but 
just one one thing that standing out for me on on the percentile rank, which is which is on the screen now, is offensive duels one four point six five, which is way above the the average. Is that is that an uh, kind of an indication that he's happy to kind of press quite aggressively? So offensive duels one in, in this sense is actually more like when they've got the ball and they sort of absorb pressure from someone. How often are they able to retain the ball after that? Okay. So it's, it's it's more to do with his ability to so shield and then turn out and turn away from pressure and, and do something positive with the ball after that. So I, I think he is a decent presser of the ball. Don't quote me on that. I think I've, I've, I've watched limited game time of him so far. Um, but it's that offensive Jules Warren is, is more to do with the ball retention side of things when he when he does get pressure and how he seems to do and, and he definitely fares well. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting. I mean, like I said, I, I I love all the statistical side of it and it's it can be a minefield and it it's more so how you interpret the data as well, isn't it? But yeah, like I said, I I, I really enjoy that kind of analysis. Um, but we'll we'll move on finally to the the centre forward position. Um, Dan, what, what, why do you think this centre-forward position needs addressing so badly? Uh, I, I really wish it didn't need addressing because we all love Raul and uh, I've said it previously on, on other podcasts that the fact we even sit him in a Wolves shirt again is a, is a massive win as far as I'm concerned, right? There's, by rights, there's no way he should have been playing football again. Um, and the, the goal against Southampton this season was an unbelievable moment. Um but there's, there's not a lot of room for sentiment if we're going to keep progressing in the Prem. And if you look at his numbers, they've just dropped off a cliff this season. And you, you don't even have to look at the numbers. You can see his, his demeanour. He's, he's not the same guy that he was pre-injury. Um, and I'm still, as much as I love Fabio, I don't think he's he's there to be relied on as the number nine quite. Yeah, I think he might get there, but he's not there yet. Um, and I think adding a bit of healthy competition in that position is 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 probably a good idea in this in this window. Dave, do you think it could be, and I know Dan said there, he's statistically dropped off. Do you think that could be down to a style of play that, that how Wolves have played this season? I know that you always say, well, he's not missing sitters. That's your, <laughs> that's your go-to line. Yeah, I think there's probably a little bit of everything. I think he's low on confidence. He's not the player that used to be able to come deep and get the ball. And sometimes he would be the one that drive, drive, drove us forward. Um I think we're just not get as a team. We're not getting the ball in the right areas whatsoever. I think maybe with Adama still in the team, uh, second half of the season, it could have possibly been a little bit different. I think you know it would have given Jimenez and the other the other attackers a little bit more space uh, with teams tending to double up on Adama. But yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of everything really. But I'm uh, I don't think Wolves would get the if we were to sell Jimenez this summer. I don't think Wolves would get the amount of money that he's actually worth, regardless. Um, but at the same time, I do agree. I think we do need to look at alternatives there because, like Dan said, as much as I love Fabio, he, he's not the answer to be the the main man this season. Dan, do you think it uh, could be style of play that's kind of impacted him and his performances this season, last season? Hundred percent. You have to take into account that if you're not creating chances for your strikers, they're more than likely going to drop off right in terms of numbers in terms of the goals expected goals all of that is is heavily dependent on how many chances you're actually creating it's to me it's more there's a lot of eye test things that have gone into why i think he's struggled this season mm. you can see his movements just not the same he's he's I, i've sort of said he's been guilty of of hiding behind his marker at times right in the, in the penalty area when i'd ideally like to see him get across his man and, and get to the near post and and score from across for example like you may have seen him do a couple of seasons ago now he's sort of hidden in between his the center backs or him between the full back and the center back and he's he's not making those same runs that he previously did so the eye test sort of in this instance backs up what the data is saying yeah and and we'll come on to the, the first player that you've you've identified here as, as a potential option for center forward is uh gonzalo ramos at benfica 20 20 years old center forward um to me, and you may you may think I'm talking bollocks, but it stinks of another kind of Fabio Silva deal. I know he's a little bit more tried and tested, um, but and, and I know there's already been links there. But for big, big money, like 40, 45 million euros, it, does that? I just can't see it going down well at all. I think if I'd known when I was putting the plans together that they were going to start charging 40, 45 mil, he wouldn't have even got near it. Yeah. I wouldn't. <laughs> Honestly, he's talented, right? And he's and he's going to be a good striker. And I'd imagine he's going to make a move to a, a major 
sort of European league at some point. Don't pay anywhere near that. That's just a ridiculous fee. He's, he's talented, but I had 15 mil down based on what we'd seen previously quoted for him. There's a little bit of what transfer market had him down as, but not for 40 mil. No way. Hey, there's been there's been a, a few murmurs from Portugal, hasn't there, about, about Ramos? Was it an unnamed club that um, Mendes was trying to tout for a potential move for around 45 million euro? Yeah, unnamed Premier League club. So you, you only have to take one guess at who it's going to be. Um, but I said the exact same thing. I said it's he's a good player, but if it doesn't work again and you spend that amount of money on him, it is exactly the same as the Fabio Silva deal. Um, I had a lot of Benfica fans either replying or quoting that and saying like Ramos is, you know, so much better than what Fabio Silva is or was. Um, so. I don't, I don't know. Ramos has got a little bit more experience. I think, you know, he's played at the Champions League level right now, but I agree with Dan. I think you cannot risk spending that amount of money, especially in the financial position that Wolves are in right now. 40 million on, on Nunes, yeah, it's still a little bit high, but he's proven it a lot more and he's exactly what we need. A player that you can't rely Ramos, who's a player that you can't guarantee is going to score you 15, 20 goals a season. It's, it's not worth risking for that amount of money. I don't think there's that many strikers who would score you 20 goals a season in the Prem. I mean, you look at uh, who who's gonna who's top scorer this season. Son, I agree, get, but at, yeah. at the same at the same time, if we've still got Silver and if we've still got Jimenez, I don't think you can afford to spend forty well forty million on somebody that's not necessarily even going to be first choice. Yeah. Um, yeah, if he was going to be first choice and sound, but I I don't think he, you can guarantee that at the moment. So I think we can safely rule out Ramos as as a potential target. But Dan, what are his, what are his qualities? Should Wolves be daft enough to pay that money? Um, what I liked about him from from watching a lot of a lot of film from him was that he's he's, he's very rare. And I said it in the, in the plan itself, but he's very rarely static when they when Benfica have got the ball. Right, he's always moving around. I think one of the issues I've had with Raul this season is, like I say, is his, his off ball movement. I think previously we've seen him run the channels and we've seen him ghost into spaces where it's quite dangerous, whether it's dropping deep or whether that's in sort of like a little half spaces on the pitch. He stopped doing that this season, I think. What you get with Ramos is someone who is willing to do that. Um, and he maintains a lot of threat when he does take up those positions, right? Because he's, he's no slouch. So when he does get wide, for example, he is able to beat a man with his pace. Um, I think that just that offers another dynamic that we've established we're probably not going to go for him now because that price is, is ridiculous. But in terms of on the pitch, there's a lot to like about him attributes wise. Um, and he's, he, he just, he gets shots off. Um, he's really active in the box, right? And I think that's another one of the, the key areas I was looking at was I want to, I want, I want my centre forward to be most active in the penalty area, right? That's where you want him to be. Um, and he ranks incredibly highly for touches in the box. And I thought that was a really good sign for a player that young as well. Um, that's, that's sort of what you want to see from him. Yeah, I think any kind of pain points that we all saw from last season was just a sheer lack of intent in the penalty area. So many occasions where a decent ball's been put across the box and you've got Raul, and not just Raul, other players suddenly 18. So to get someone who's actually willing to, to make those runs and, and make those gambles would, 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 I mean, would be much appreciated from me anyway. Um, final target, Dan. Um, Lois Appender, from, who plays at Vite, uh, Vitesse Armand. In the area of disease, on loan from Club Bruges, um, only 22 years of age, um, but has had an excellent season in the area of disease. Scored, scored 18 goals. Extremely quick player. Um, you know, will go past his man and and, and a, an extremely good option on the counter attack. Begs that question again, though. Can he, can a player who's playing in these league make that step up to the Premier League? I think you look. You'd obviously expect to see a drop off in some areas. He's not going to. He's not going to bag twenty goals as we've established. It's difficult enough to do that as it is as a Premier League striker coming from a different league. It becomes even harder. I think he's the kind of guy that you you take a risk on because he's you're not going to have to pay a king's ransom for him. Um, I, I said it in the document. Is is XG tracked closely to his goal, so he's not scoring and scoring at an unsustainable rate. You could you could feasibly see him scoring these sorts of numbers. Um, again, once he sort of gets used to the league. Um, and he, he did play in Europe last season as well. So I think, yeah, look, we always worry about transferring over from one league to another. But again, he played in Europe and there was a suggestion there that if you're able to do it at that level, you feel a little bit safer in taking that risk. Yeah, and and having, having a closer look at him um, once once he released his plan, I noticed that he played off the left a little bit too. Is Do you think that's something that, 
maybe the club are looking at. I know that they like players who can almost overlap positions, such as the likes of Huang and, and and whatnot. Do you think that's something that they would they'd be looking and thinking? Yeah, that's a, that's another positive. Yeah, I think you see the best teams in the world are creating overloads in certain areas of the pitch, yeah. right? So someone like an appender who's able to go and make himself a nuisance on the left hand side of the pitch for a bit all of a sudden you've got a, a mix of players there let's let's say in a perfect world we do sign nunez you've then got that those three of nunez probably neto and appender operating in those areas that you might have eight nuri who can burst down the left hand side because there's so much space opened up for him that flexibility offers a lot of options for the rest of the side and probably opens up space on the other side of the pitch where you've got Gibbs White who's quite good at arriving late into the box and getting onto the end of things. I just I like the idea of having a centre forward who is flexible like that and I think he fits that bill. Yeah. Dave, what kind of profiles do you feel that we should be looking at in terms of centre forwards? I know that um, the links that we've had with the likes of Severovic and um, Henry or Henry if, if, he, if he's going to pronounce yeah. it he's from his French nationality. Bruno seems to want a big lump, Kiefer Moore links and whatnot. Do you think that's do you think that's the kind of profile they'll be looking at, or do you think it would be someone who'll, you know, someone who's a little bit quicker across the ground? I don't know. I think somebody that is of that bigger stature is someone that we've not really had um previously. I think it's very rare, you know, it's you don't tend to see the top, top teams uh with that sort of style. I suppose you you can look back to Spurs a few years ago where when Kane was out they bring Lorente on and I'm, I'm not saying he's just a lump but you know he, he tended to 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 come in and and score those goals he had a good rate for them so I wouldn't be against that but I think we've really with Fabio and with Raul that's what we really lack somebody that you can put on the last man someone that is going to outpace the defenders um, and Appenders attacking numbers this season especially have been very very good. Um, so I think I think that's what we do, we do lack. Uh, but at the same time, if you bring in that big that bigger forward, you just got to rely on your wingers, whether that be Neto, Pedence, Huang, maybe you know Chiquinho to bring that pace and and, and bring the ball forward. Um, so I'll, I'll be interested to see. I think if if we're going to be bringing the likes of Nunes in, you'd hope that we're going to be a bit more attacking, a bit more uh, positive. So a bigger guy that way could could work a little bit better. I think if you were playing gonna be playing counter attacking football, maybe the, the the faster stripe is the way to go. Dan, if you were to go to a, a back four and say you played the two centre forwards up top, would you want almost, in your opinion, two different profiles from 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 each of those centre forwards? Someone who can almost play as like a, a shadow striker. I know at Benfica Joe Felix was was perfect at that for large. And I'm not saying we're gonna get him, but someone's <laughs> someone similar to that. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I think the last thing you want is two players of the exact same mould, right? Because they become instantly easier to mark. Opposition analysts are going to be able to say, right, well, they're going to do the exact same thing. We can plan for that easily enough. And, and you know, by the time you get to 60, 70 minutes, you're having to make changes and, and, and sort of alter the dynamic of those front two. So you certainly want two different profiles. Um, maybe you do look at a, a Seferovic-type player. I, I don't want it to be Seferovic, like, with all due respect to the bloke, but I don't want it to be him. Um, if you were going to go for the two, though, yeah, you, you, you look at someone like an appender and then playing off of him or he plays off someone who's, who's, who's slightly bigger. Um, but I, I don't, I, I wouldn't mind seeing it as, as Fabio is the bigger guy. He's he put on a lot of muscle, I think, in the last yeah. 12 months or so. Um, he's so young still, so you, you know he'll grow into his body still. He's still got time to do that and, and get used to the physical side of the Premier League. I think it's an interesting sort of, option to have where you play an appender off of uh, off of Fabio and, and see how that that partnership sort of grows it, I don't think it has to be one or the other I think no. I think Fabio I, I don't know if you know off the top of it off your head of your head Dan he's Jules uh, whenever I seem to watch him he does really well in just co- make an absolute nightmare for defenders uh but bringing other players into play I think he's hold up plays really good um, but he, the games I remember, Norwich in the cup. I know we lost that game, but he, he was unlucky with a couple of 50 50s in that match. I think the referee gave him the opposite way, but Villa as well gave Mings an absolute torrid time. So I think that's what, and, and I, I don't recall him and as doing that too often this season. I think half the battle with that is that they don't necessarily have to be good at it as the centre forward. All they have to do is be willing to engage in it because yeah. you don't have to win that ball, right? You don't have to win that aerial duel for something good to come of it. All you have to do is put that centre back off where he makes a poor decision or 
heads the ball poorly and all of a sudden you've got him out of position and you you can take advantage of it um i've just had a look now he's he's in the top sort of 50 percent of, of strikers for aerials one is, is fabio that's quite a promising sign for his age and, and the fact that he's barely played any football um obviously those numbers are going to be skewed slightly because he's 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 not played much but um yeah i think it's the, it's the willingness to do it i think it's the biggest thing that i like yeah, well, I completely agree. We're we're very much in the Fabio Silva fan club here, mate. And I just hope I just hope he I hope he comes good so he can shut your dars up on Facebook who are who are telling us to told you so. But Dan, I think we'll leave it there, mate. I think that's been a really insightful uh, piece. I I I've really enjoyed that, Dave. Come away feeling enriched. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I mean, like you lot know, Dan mentioned it earlier. I'm a big fan of Football Manager, but there were a couple of plays on on Dan's list that I hadn't really got much knowledge of before. So I think it just shows, you know, when when we sort of come out a little bit of the George Mendes circle, there are affordable players there, quality players there in and around Europe that clubs like Wolves should should be looking at. And you know, there's definitely a, a good recruitment model to to be had there if we want to go down down that road and hopefully someone from the club sees this and, and give uh, them a job yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't want to jinx it <laughs> <laughs> wonderful so well dan it's been an absolute pleasure uh where can people find you should they wish and of course we'll we'll leave a link in the description down below to to, to the actual recruitment plan but where can people find you uh yeah best to find me at d butler analysis on twitter um obviously if you anyone's had a, a read of the plan just give me any feedback, positive, negative, I'll, I'll read it all. Um, so yeah, that's the best place to find me. Wonderful. Dave, where can people find you should they wish to? Yeah, it's at Dave as a party on Twitter and Instagram. But yeah, really enjoyed it today. Cheers, Dan. And I'm M Cooper writes on, on Twitter. And of course, big thanks to Betmate, our podcast and channel partner. Um, we'll have more content coming, which, which will incorporate Betmate a, a, a little bit more. But this one was a, a pure geek analysis pod um but yeah we'll, we'll be back with betmate pots once the football's back up and running um but yeah dave do you want to see out the show in in your true fashion yeah well yeah if you have listened to, uh, to this on spotify or apple podcast be sure to leave us a review um on there and if you're watching or listened on youtube be sure to hit the like button subscribe to the channel and we'll see you all very very soon <laughs>